It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello and welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by... A melancholy Gordon Mack. His Sixers are just three games away from elimination. Are you okay, Gordon? This is not an NBA podcast. This is a track and field podcast. We do not talk about NBA, especially less than 12 hours after a loss. Hey, man, we almost won Mm. that game. I know it says we lost by eight or nine, but we were down four with the ball under a minute left, and then they just had to stop. If we would have scored there, then you're down two. Basically, then, you know, yeah, it sucks. Okay. So you it's over, pretty much. It's not yeah. over. It's over until you lose two, right? Because you're not going to sweep every game. You're not going to go 16-0 in the playoffs, right? I mean, we lost game one last year as well. So okay, at home and to Brooklyn. And then we came back and won four in a row. So, And then two years ago, the Sixers lost game two. At home, they went one and one. So the past two years, they've gone one and one in the first two games. So if history repeats itself, we should go one and one in this situation. I'm curious if the normal dynamics of, oh, they're up 2 0, they got a huge advantage, just changes completely because there's no home court in this bubble setup. I still, it's going to be crazy if uh, there's a 3 0 comeback obviously that would be unprecedented but like i i'm just the normal patterns we get used to when we watch nba playoffs with the home court advantage are completely out the window now i just, i wonder how that's going to play out yeah i think the ultimate thing about the 3-0 once a team goes up 3-0 again i guess we're now an nba podcast again is there's that temptation on this there's that temptation from the team that's down 3-0 it's like we've been in this bubble for over 45 days Let's just go yeah. home. And like you're just like the temptation of home is gonna be so loud when you're down three oh because you're like, ah, oh, screw it, screw it, we're out, we're done. Let's just lose and go home. You know? Whereas you're down three oh in a playoff series, you're not you're like you know you're going home either way. You know, it's just like a little bit more like, hey, you're pl-, you know, I just feel like you might be a little more tempted to get out of the bubble. So, yeah, I don't think losses are going to sting as much this this time around. 
just because it is such a weird season and because they are going to get to go home and see their families for the first time in, in a couple of months. Now, I'm not saying that's what you can blame the Sixers' failures on, because let's be clear, these are huge, enormous, loud failures from one of the loudest we hear about them all year, and then they just come to the playoffs and underperform on a yearly basis. But if you're a player... Every team underperforms player, on a yearly basis. That's the thing. Every team. Who doesn't underperform? The Toronto Raptors lost to LeBron 13 years in a row before they won. Right? Like, it happens. Yeah. I'm sick of this underperform. Who who overperforms? Just LeBron and the and the Warriors? Is that it? Is that the list? If you're not no, LeBron or the Warriors... There's a lot of teams that have overperformed this year. The Thunder have overperformed this year. I don't think anybody thought they were going to. They haven't. They haven't. They haven't won a playoff game. I'm. Just, what year were you born? I'll just. I'll. I'll leave on this. What year were you born? 1987. Okay, so you were born two years after the last Sixers championship. Wouldn't you like to see them overperform once in your lifetime? Just once. Just once. Would you like to see them overperform? I'm not saying they have to overperform yes, every I, year, but just like once. I would. You've been on this planet I a would. long time. During that time. You've you've seen uh, many different presidents. You've become a, a, a successful division three, 400 meter runner. You've gotten out of shape. You've become a content creator. You've worked in a bunch of different jobs. You've been to a million different throw in the gotten out of shape, man. That's a little dig. Well, I'm just Ooh. saying, I'm showing this, I'm just saying that, but you've gotten back into shape and then you probably got back oh, out of shape again. You've done several cycles. And during that entire time, the one constant is that you've never seen a Sixers championship. I will say yeah. this. They did overperform in the Iverson era. They did overperform in the Iverson era because that was one guy basically putting the entire team on his shoulders. And and they did better than I think most people would have thought. But, you know, since then, it's been rough. It's been rough. And we, other NBA fans, just have to hear about the Sixers constantly. So that's why we're probably chuckling a little bit this year. But if you're going to lose, I think this year to lose for mental sanity. That's what I, that's my, last, that's my take. You know, the last Iverson game I ever saw in person was, I got the tickets right here, right there. Didn't you go to the, oh, well, I can't see it. What's it say? You can't see it. It's game five I'm NBA finals, 2001, where we lost and the Lakers go on and win. I had to watch Wait, so the Lakers the celebrate. I am the problem. And that's the last time. No wonder you're so upset about this. I was Wait, this I was scarred as a child. You. I was how old was I? I was probably like 14, 13, I don't know. It was mm -hmm. not good times. Anyway. Before you before you became the moderately successful division three runner. All right, do you want to talk about track? Track and field, baby. Tomorrow. Yeah. So here's the thing. We did not prepare what we're gonna talk about on this pod. Normally we have like a little bit of like a two minute right, what are we talking about? Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. And then we go live and we talk. We already talked about this meet coming up tomorrow live on Flow Track. What else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about it again. There are new, some new entries. Who are some new entries into this new meet that is live yeah, on Flow? Noah, Noah Lyles. Yeah, 10 a.m. Central is when the coverage starts live on Flow in the United States from Sheikh Gavayavar. We found out after we recorded yesterday, Lyles is running the 100. He's in there with Mike Rogers and Adam Jamili. That's an addition that we weren't expecting. Daphne Shippers is in the 200 against world championship bronze medalist Munjinga Kambunji. That's exciting. So there have been some names added to the program at the 11th hour. I think all total, they said there's going to be six world championship gold medalists 
in this meet. This really has a feeling, Gordon, of like a diamond, like the second stop almost on the Diamond League. If Monaco was the opener, this one is is stop two, and then we're going to see Stockholm um, th- th- this weekend. So in this truncated schedule, this is attracting a, a ton of big names. So I'm very excited about it. Lena Irby's going to be in that 200 with Shippers and Cambungi as well. Yeah, well, I have a feeling it's going to be the same group of people racing each other in all these meets. Because if you looked at the next Diamond League, it's literally a repeat of the Monaco meet, right? The 800 has a lot of same guys, 1500. Like, I think it's like there's a select group of people who decided, hey, yeah, we are doing a 2020 season. And that's that group. And they're just going to repeat racing each other. So it's going to be interesting to see what motivates these athletes, right? Like, what's going to be the carrot for them? I mean, what motivates Noah Lyles? I mean, is he trying to be a sub-19-5 guy in 2020, or is he just going to cruise through every race? I think Donovan Brazier has a big carrot, right? He feels like he's fit, he's young, he's healthy. I mean, this 600 could be a a launching pad to maybe running a 141 down the road in the, in the season. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to this 600. We talked about it a bit yesterday, but... I think he's going to get the world record. I just think it's happening. He's going to do it. Let's just say it. Now, it's are you happening. saying that because you believe it, or are you saying that because of Cheptegei, the Cheptegei effect? I'm saying it because it's live on Flowtrack. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I just think, uh, like I said, I think he has the perfect 600-meter uh, type runner, right? Mm-hmm. It's just there's certain types of really good 600-meter runners. I mean, you think about what oh, – what, Dang it. Uh, Kaz Loxham. I know that's like a name that he retired a few years ago, but he was like the perfect type of 600-meter runner. He was a great 800-meter runner, but he came with a 400 background. He had that speed. He could run a fast 200. I just felt like – so Kaz was able to run fast indoor 600s. Um, but Donovan is just like another, another level of that, right? You're taking an even better 400-meter runner and an, and an even better 800-meter runner. You're going to get an even better 600, right? So – He's already run. He's already run one thirteen indoors recently, one twelve. Man, I think he's at least going to break one thirteen. If he doesn't get the world record, it'll be like one twelve ninety nine. That's what I think. I dug more into this after we spoke about it yesterday, and I looked specifically at that Rudisha one thirteen point one. That's the number two mark all time, and of course David Rudisha did it. So we're gonna put a lot of weight on that. But a couple things to consider. That was David Rudisha in 2016, which was not the same David Rudisha as 2010, 2011, 2012. David Rudisha, still good. He went on to win the gold medal later on that year, but not the unstoppable force that he was earlier in his career. And in that same race, he had someone right on his heels, Pierre Ambrose Boss, who again went on to win the world championship in, and he ran 113.21 in that 600, so just a tenth behind Rudisha. I don't think anybody would say that Pierre Ambrose Boss is head and shoulders better in the 600 than Donovan Brazier is currently at this moment. So I think you could start with that as a marker of like 113.2. Also, you factor in the fact that, that Brazier ran a 113 indoors. 600 is not easy to run indoors. That's, that's a lot of turns at a very quick speed. It's like the 400. It's, it's tough to get going. I think he can. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it when you look at, again, his profile as a 400 and 800 meter guy, the shape he's in right now, and also the fact that, you know, that Rudisha time 
that reach a mark, not obviously as strong as his, his 140.91. In that 600, Gordon, he went through 447.17. That was his, his first 400-meter split uh, and, oh, then, wow. and then held on. I, I also looked at Rudisha's world record. He split 114.30. So when he ran 140.91, he only ran basically 1.2 seconds slower than he did in this in this 600. So clearly, Rudisha at his peak could have had this record. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Uh, but this run was not done with Rudisha in his peak. So I think, all that being said, I'm I'm going to take Brazier here to to get this world record. I think he's going to run one one twelve point six four. It's a very specific number. Do you know what I think he's going to run? One twelve point zero one. I don't know why. Okay. Because a one thirteen seven, well, I just did. I bust out the IWF scoring tables. A one thirteen seventy seven indoors is worth one thousand two hundred and seventy seven points. One thousand two hundred seventy seven points on an outdoor sixteen uh, on an outdoor six hundred is one twelve oh one. So, I, I I like how you said my prediction was very specific, and then you countered with something just as specific. Yeah, and it also. Uh, it converts to an 800 meter outdoor time of 141.69. I feel like Donovan, at his max, not crazy. can run. Could run a 141 mid high. Yeah, he's definitely going to run 112 low. I mean, it's, let's just let's just put a button on it. It's happening. 112. Also, low. the fact. Well, the fact that I mean, I think 112.64, but you know, agree to disagree. We'll put the over under here at 112.36. The fact that Wesley Vasquez is in there also helps. He's a front runner. He'll get the pace going. Rudisha and Boss did not have a rabbit in their 600 meter race in 2016. It probably probably was for the better in a way because you just get out of the way. It's it's controlled chaos there. Unless there's a crazy pacing mishap again, I think he's going to get it. You think he's going to get it, and then he's going to go on on Sunday to race in Stockholm another 800. Perhaps that's when he's going to crack that 142 that 142 barrier. Yeah, I think we're seeing 112 and then 141. Let's do it. That's what we're going to get. Okay. That's that's I mean, Don, he's so fit. There's there's no pressure, you know, I just feel like he wants to get something out of this year. You know, he's kind of stripped of being the Olympic title contender in his prime. I mean, he'll still be in his prime in 2021, but every year you get older, you never know, right? Cuz an injury can come without any warning. So I think he wants to try to take advantage of this time as much as possible, being healthy. And I think he's going to go out. I think he's out there to to get some fast marks. I think he's not out there mm-hmm. just for a show. I think he wants to prove his fit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what – I mean, we already talked about this, but what's like the – He, I mean, he's definitely going to be the fastest ever 600 to 1500 guy, right? He's got to <laughs> be, right? Not yet, but he will be. Not yet. When he will be. It's well, like that's range, man. When he runs a when he runs a fifteen hundred all out. I hope yeah. at the end of this I hope at the end of this Brazier European tour, I don't know all of his stops here. I know he's gonna run that eight hundred, he's in the start list in Stockholm, but it would be awesome that bef- if before he leaves Europe he hops in one of these fifteen hundreds. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. And and he he doesn't need to worry about chariot at all. He just sits off that pack. He does not worry about, or not even that pack. He sits off of that guy. He lets chariot alone, and just sits in the back of that other 
pack that's going around in 330 pace or so, just to see. So we're going to have a season uh, we're projecting on August 18th. Starting tomorrow, he's going to break the world record in the 600. He's going to run 141 in the 800. And then he's going to go out and run like a 332 or 331 in the 1500. That's a hell of a triple. For I mean, that's a hell of a he, resume for the 2020. If he if he does the the, the 1500 is the lowest possibility of those things, just because I don't know if he has any interest in running that race. Maybe the one in the big friendly was was it. You asked earlier what was motivating Lyles, and I thought of one thing, because right now he doesn't have the world lead in the hundred. He got his world lead back on the 200 when he ran the 1976 in Monaco. His 100 meter season best this year, though. It, you know, he had two windy 993s, but right now it's Michael Norman at the top of the hundred with that 986, which also happens to be Lyle's personal best. So he could accomplish two things at once here. If he gets under 986 on, on Wednesday, he could better his personal best and he could get atop the world list for 2020. Yeah. I mean, his uh, season's best this year is 10.04. So he's definitely looking to run a sub 10. Yeah, I mean, hey, this guy is definitely holding back something, right? He's he's a lot better than a nine seven six. He's a lot better than a ten oh four or ten oh yeah ten oh four. It's just like what? Yeah, I can see it. he wants the world lead, but I mean, does he? I honestly don't think he. Do you think he'll even know that? I maybe he does, but like. I think he knows. Think he I like, think he knows Norman ran nine eighty six. I think he knows Norman ran nine eighty six. Those guys have been competing yeah, but against he, each other for years now. But do you think if he goes out and runs nine eighty eight, he's going to be upset? He's not going to be, be upset, like, oh, but Nor- I, I just don't think he's going to. Tra- I don't think he's traveling all the way over there to run this meet to not give it a full go. And I think if he is planning on doubling next year, this is obviously great practice he probably wants to get that 100 time down coleman or no coleman in in 2021 he wants to get the 100 time down to become a real a real threat because now you also have the rise of bromel right norman's not gonna run the hundreds you don't really need to, to worry about it norman is just sitting atop that world list just to show his range to everybody but bromel is obviously a, a real threat to that 100 200 double nobody right now is touching him in the in the 200 Kenny B has been, been the closest, but Lyles will enter the next season as a big favorite in the 200, but the hundred is where the questions are. And remember his PR 986 from Shanghai. That was early in the year last year that he ran that. So he can get going. He doesn't need a bunch of races. He's already had several hard efforts. I I think we're going to see something quick. I think we could see him go under 985 in this race. Hey, I won't mind. I won't complain. What what's the name of the city of where, What's the name of the city of the of where the race is happening? What's the name of it? Shekesh Gavayavar. There you go. Sounds like a entree at a at a like it sounds like a appetizer. I'll have some Shekesh Gavayavar to start. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, one day we'll go I to the city. I do have a question for you. This is going to be coming out of left field. You're not prepared for this question. But it's something I've been thinking about ever since Cheptegei's 5K world record. If you had to pick one athlete, who would you, – all right, you, you're your coach. Or you know you're a, you're a manager. You're an owner. And you get one athlete, currently active athlete, 
to run in a race where they have to see how many laps they can go consecutively of breaking 60 seconds. So the first split needs to be under 60. The second split needs to be under two minutes. The third split needs to be under three minutes. So basically, you always have to be 359.99 mile pace the entire time, right? Mm -hmm. And you see how many laps you can go before you go over the time. You know, because we're thinking about the way I, reason I was thinking about this because Chepta guy, I mean, he's five seconds away from 60 flat pace per mile per lap, right? 12 and a half laps of 60 flat. And I was thinking, how far can a human go of running 60 flat pace before they just they, they slow down? And who do you think would be able to get the farthest right now? Like, is it Chepta guy? Is it someone like Ingebrigtsen? Is it? Someone like Chariot? I don't know. Uh, is it? Yeah, I don't know. So who would you pick and how many laps do you think they could go? I It would either be, those are the names I thought of immediately. Jacob Ingerbritson, obviously, chapter guy. Maybe someone like Kajelka. I think right now, chapter guy, just based on what he did, could go 10 laps at that pace. 10 laps. I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Like at fifty nine point nine nine nine, yeah. I was also somewhere, trying to think, like, what is, what's the record? Nine and ten. What's the record for? I don't. That's not an event that's run. I mean, the 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 two mile record is under eight minutes, so yeah. that's eight laps. Uh, that was. I mean, that's a obviously that's a crazy, that's a crazy mark. But it's still. I mean, Daniel you Coleman did that 10? on two occasions. Yeah, I think if he can run, I mean, what what did his average work out to? I know his average worked out to four hundred three mile, but that's that's sixteen hundred nine meters. That's not sixteen hundred. So his his average worked out. He didn't run anything over sixty one, right? It was twelve thirty five thirty six. Twelve thirty five thirty six divided by twelve point five. So it was. Gordon's on the sixty point four three. 60.43. Okay, so he takes off. If you take off two and a half laps, could you go 0.43 seconds faster per lap? Yeah, I think you do that. Yeah. yeah. I think Inga I mean, Britson, I think Inga Britson would be the second best at it. And I think Inga Britson um, could get close to that. But I would still just take Chapter Guy just because of, of what he just did, obviously. I was just thinking this would be an incredible thing to witness in my opinion you know we talk about like elimination miles and all the stuff and like different like mixed four by fours relays and different things because we never see someone try to run that pace as long as possible right because mm -hmm. even when you're trying to break the world record you're not trying to run sub 60 every time you're trying to run 60 61s right and there's it's just like a it's a weird feat right I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool to see how – all right, maybe take out active. Do you think there's anyone in the past who could have gone more than 10 laps? Do you think could have got to 11 laps? <laughs> like, do you think Bekele could have got 11 laps? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I peak, peak Daniel Komen. So you could actually do this, though, and make it interesting because with that wave light technology, you could put the – you you could have like the front marker, which is say it's going through at say 
59.5 or something, or if you just say 59 flat, and then you could have the light stretch to the back, which is at 60 flat, and you and just say, hey, the front of the light is to keep you on pace. You don't want to go any faster than this, otherwise it's going to be bad news. And if you're behind the backlight when you cross the finish line, you're out. And it would actually yeah. be, I think it'd be pretty entertaining to, to watch something like this. And it would be fun to have people like Chariot in there because for him, 59.5 looks like a complete walk. So it would yeah. be fun to have some of those other, some of those other guys in there from different disciplines or, or maybe a, I mean, a, a peak Mo Farah would have been fun to watch with this as well too. Cause he'd probably just try to kick the last 80 meters every single time to catch up to the light. And then he'd probably slow down a little bit and then keep going and then kick again. Well, it'd just be, you would slowly see people like die. Right. Cause it's yeah, like, it's going to be, gonna be yeah. in the beginning. They're like, okay, we got it. We're good. And then you're like, it's coming. <laughs> it's getting harder. Like eventually it's like, you just know eventually they're going to crash because you can't do it forever. And it's just like, a, I don't know. I think it'd be a cool race to watch. Um, yeah, and I don't know how we get that be to the happen. But... There'd be the embarrassment of someone who loses focus for a little bit on the second lap and then gets eliminated <laughs> just because they, they like weren't paying attention and everybody p picked it up and they they didn't they didn't beat the light on that first one. I think it's it's a cool twist on the elimination mile where you're racing people and someone has to drop out. This is saying basically, no, you don't have to drop out as long as you can hit that hit that marker, keep going. Yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch this. Yeah, we gotta make it happen. I mean, uh, I like the well because it's sixty seconds too. Because it's sixty seconds, it's uh, it, it's compelling because it's just it's it's that even number. I know it's a sixteen hundred and not a mile, but it's right it's right close to four minute mile play, pace. So you're just marveling at them. Uh, yeah. Click those up on the women's side. I don't know what the equivalent. I don't know what the equivalent time would be. Would it be like a sixty sixty six sixty seven maybe? Something like that. Obviously, Safan Hassan. The math, well, last the year, math will start getting hard. The math will start getting hard because it's going to be <laughs> uneven numbers. That's the unfortunate. You have to change the yeah. the time the time just system got... to make just make a second a little bit longer. So then every time they cross it, it's at one minute, at two minutes. But it's like converted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Create create a different unit of of time, yeah. basically. I like create that. Or make it a or make it like a a different size track like, or something like that, just so you can have that like symmetry. 60 max, not 60 seconds, 60 max. And one max is 1.023 seconds. Yeah. It's That's like, it's like a Jerry, Badger mile, Badger miles. That Jerry <laughs> Schumacher does, right? It's just like yeah. a certain pace. But the good thing is with the light, you just say, Hey, follow the light and you make the light yeah. bright enough so that everybody can see it. And then it's just them versus this light. Yeah, or you create a holog hologram. So it's like actual person running around with them. That, I mean, that would be scary, but that'd be kind of cool. I, I think uh, the only problem with the, the wave light stuff is it's hard to see on during the day. Yeah, they need to figure out maybe I, they should. I think during the day it shouldn't be a light; it should be a mechanical device. Like it should be like a like a mm -hmm. object that's on a track that just moves at the pace like a train, and it's like a mm -hmm. solid color that you just see cruising around. As opposed to a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With like a big flag on it so everybody can see it across the stadium. Yeah. I didn't – you're right. I have – I always have trouble seeing it. And my co-host in the house around Jason pointed out the fact – because people were talking about, oh, Cheptegut, he had the benefit of wave light technology. 
Is this fair? And Jason's saying, I would believe that argument, except for the fact he was ahead of the light in the last couple laps. And I didn't even notice that. But apparently he was ahead of the light because they had it set to world record pace. So he wasn't looking over his shoulders and like checking where the light was. He was just going all out. But I, I'm with you. I had a, tr- a tough time actually picking up on where it was. I think they could make it a little, a little brighter when they do the 60-second elimination challenge. That, I think uh, it is bright. I think it already is bright enough. It's just that the, the camera and the glare of sun, it just can't do it. I think that's do you remember Do you remember when Fox put the light on the hockey puck? Are you old enough to remember that? Yeah. Do you know that was <laughs> that was the first type of technology that then was used to create the uh, first oh, down first marker? Yeah. 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 Like that, that no, was w- the first of that. Yeah. It was... I thought it was going to work better than it did. Probably the same thing with the wave light technology. With the the hockey puck was just going too fast. It was just it was just too too difficult. Uh, but it was solving a problem. It was trying to solve a problem. But that's that's what I think of when I think the wave light is like. Sometimes I pick up on it and sometimes I don't see it. But can you imagine life without a first and ten line now? I can't. Oh my god, I, that's why I'd like it's not as fun. I feel like it, it's more fun to watch a football game on TV on an HD TV than it is to watch it in person in a way you're not freezing cold you're can get food whenever you want you can pause it and come back you know yeah i also speaking of wave like technology and even just like visual technology for track meets like you know like during a, a swimming competition they do like world record pace you know mm-hmm. stuff like that what type of what and some and even in track sometimes they put like a flags in each lane so you can kind of see like this is Lyles's lane this is Norman's lane you know to kind of show everyone where they're from yeah what what type of visual would you want added to like a broadcast to kind of enhance watching eight people run in a circle for distance races current speed and, and pace projection would be fun in the olympics not as important cuz they're just racing for for place obviously so time's not that important but it would be it would be fun just to see the s the different escalation in in paces might be cool this is more than just a visual representation but you get to the point where you could have like their heart rate and stuff so you could see how much everybody's pushing at that time because the competitors wouldn't know it but we would know man jacob ingerbritson is barely working right now and and he only has 800 to go. He's going to crush everybody because that other guy's heart rate is at 203 right now. That would be yeah, it'll be, be like watching. It's like watching poker. You know both people's hands. They don't know each other's hands. <laughs> but you're like, oh, dude, this well, guy's bluffing right now. That's he's going to be dead after this kick, you know. And then you know, like, does he like let him go? You know, that'd be an interesting. Knowing people's heart rate would be awesome. But then you'd have like. It, coaches like with the screen up on their phone and then be like he's dying his heart rate is at 130 (laughs) yeah no it would be funny though too because someone would have a bad race but their heart rate didn't get that high so then it'd be like wait did they just stop trying their heart rate never got above whatever and then the post-race interview you'd be like hey listen i know you said you had you were out of gas there but according to this data you really weren't so-and-so was working way harder than you what's the deal yeah be, what would you like to see? The heart rate thing would be cool. I I I would like uh I mean they do splits, right? They do splits every 400, right? Sometimes they do it every yeah. 100 for like crazy races, 
but a hundred meter split doesn't mean nothing to me. I think if there was just like a a ticker, not a ticker, but like just a a number in the lower corner that is constantly changing up and down based on the pace they're going. So like if you like see it, mm-hmm. like just like in a, a like like in a dominator that goes up and down and drops and raises based on the speed that they're going would be cool. I don't care about world record pace or Olympic record pace. Oh, that's the worst. No one gives a fuck about Olympic records. Whoa, whoa, Excuse me, whoa, whoa, this whoa, is whoa. an explicit have, podcast now. We have family. Only Alon's allowed to cuss on this show. Alon uh, <laughs> has a bleep button ready. But Olympic uh, records are like the stupidest thing in my opinion of all time. It's just like it's such a – it's just a coincidence. An Olympic record is a coincidence. That's all it is. That's all it is. Uh, but I, world records would matter if you know that that's the purpose of the race. But sometimes they put world record on there when it's not the purpose of the race, and it kind of gets weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the, the the pace that they're at would be cool. Yeah, um, for swimming, the world record line makes sense because every race is a world record. That's my understanding of swimming, especially in the Olympics. But for track, that's it's not just not how it works. Yeah. I would. I liked your mega cast. I think that's kind of what you're referring to. That you did it, Peyton Jordan. Well, last year it was really it was it really got cooking last year, right? Where you were able to update in real yeah. time the, the the splits, like the the times got entered, and then you could have a calculation. People want to people want to see that stuff, and there are occasions where I'm thinking of the women's ten thousand in 2016. Ayana just goes out and it's like crazy pace, and they they run so fast that you lose track of the splits because it's faster than anything you've ever seen before. And in that instance, I think it would be helpful just – and I know that this, this stuff doesn't necessarily apply to the casual fan, but to the people who are tuning into track because they like track and, and they want to see track and, and they know a little bit about it. But it would be cool because then you could contextualize more in within the race of, oh, man, Molly Huddle's in sixth or seventh place, but she's still on American record pace. Um, and you can't really get that without the data being put on the, put on the screen. Um, you, know, you know what I would want? Three turn stagger four by fours to have a visual of who is leading. That's a good one. You know, so That's like on the right side of the screen, you just have like, you know, just like a like a little, you know, kind of like Mario Kart, whatever of like who's in the front, yeah. like an overview that kind of puts it into a vertical as opposed to a circular, and you can just know like that person is actually ahead. That'll be yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Or even like maybe they put like a little. A highlight on that actual runner that is leading so like it's like a glow like a glow of gold a glow of silver and a glow of bronze for who's the top three in order for the first yeah, lap yeah, yeah. of a four by four that'll be kind of cool yeah well you could do that the whole way around in the in the regular 400 too but that yeah. takes some of the drama out of it i i think people would push back and say or the formula hurdles that take because you want to see the you want to see the stagger unfurl and you want to see who's actually ahead coming off the final the final curve, but I agree with you in the four by four because there's you know, three legs to go after that. When you brought up earlier, the fact that, you know, the flags in the lanes to me, that always felt like, okay, swimming did it. So track's going to have yeah. to do it, but swimming so different. You just, you're not seeing them. You can't see, yeah. they're not, they don't have distinguishing uniforms on. So you have to put the American flag in there for, I mean, no one was confused about who bolt was when he was running the hundred. You didn't need to put the Jamaican flag in his lane you can either tell based on 
because you've seen them run before and you know what they look like, or you can just look at the the jerseys and at least have some idea. The only time where I get confused is the four by one because it's just, everything is happening so quickly, but I feel like that would be a graphics mess to try to figure out <laughs> in the four by one. I don't know how you, how you clean that up, but that's one where you're like, wait, who dropped the stick? Uh, I'm not sure who's in front. Like there's so much, there's so much chaos and confusion in that event that I feel like if a little bit was cleaned up, you could appreciate it more. But also, if you if you tried to clean out a little bit up, you could just make a mess of the whole thing and make it way convoluted. So I don't know how you'd fix that. Yeah. I mean, I've said this in previous... I'm not sure if I said this in previous podcasts, but I think the 4 by one would be much more exciting if there was no exchange zones. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. But yeah. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Like... And you've commentated, so you know this. It, it's like the first oh, it's exchange. So hard. Is yeah, just, it's, it's no very idea. hard. Yeah, I mean, let's be Someone honest. Dropped. Most most commentators they pretend about they just say like the favorites after the first leg, like they just like focus on like who they know is like the the, the favorite, and they're like, oh, clean exchange there for the first for USA. You know where you just. You you know what you're gonna say no matter what the first leg because you just know it's like everything's together and there's no big change right and even then even when you see like the that backstretch when you see like Gatlin go you, you know that like it's you can't really tell you can't really tell the stagger difference yet because mm -hmm. they're going so fast and it, the stagger changes dramatically every time there's an exchange that's the thing like you have the stagger and all of a sudden it gets cut in half just because of a bad exchange that you can't prepare for so yeah i don't know i mean i guess an overview thing would be good for uh for four by one that'd be kind of cool it's just 16 people it's 16 people in very close proximity running into each other and trying to sort it out is super hard I don't appreciate you giving away my commentary secrets there about the four by one because that's yeah, what's why I did. I, I oh, think back to two years ago. No, it was Houston. Houston dropping the stick yeah. in the in the West in the West prelim. And you I, I knew what Mario Burke looked like, obviously. And you knew Houston was in in the all red, but you want to make sure you get it right. So there's always a little bit of hesitation. Like you see a team that's out and you don't want to yell, Houston's out. And then yeah. 30 seconds later realize, wait, hold on. That's uh, that's Houston running to the finish line here. They are not out. Uh, it's a different team in red. But it's it, – yeah, it's, it's so hard to get it right like in a timely manner in that in that relay. Yeah, I think uh, at NCAAs last year, the, in the ESPN broadcast, um, I think it was oh, Florida right. State. Was it Florida State that dropped the stick? And they said it was Texas Tech. Because they both were in like black, so like oh, and Texas mm -hmm. Tech doesn't. I was like oh, Texas Tech, they're like in the team competition. That's like huge. And yeah. then you see them finish, you're like oh no, they they they're fine. They they got their points. Yeah, yeah. that's one where like I would TV not. Being <laughs> that's one where I would not mind doing a tape delay, just like a minute, a minute tape delay, just like hold it, just to make sure. Because then there's so many DQ. Like yeah, you can't you can't watch like in a 1500 and a hundred you can watch one race go it's so hard to watch eight exchanges and make sure that they were all you know you're watching from a bad angle too you're not standing right there so you have no idea whose was whose was good i mean you know the ones that were obviously bad because they throw on the brakes but it's it's very 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 difficult to uh to sort out do you think a 
So you got the four by one. What about an eight by one? Yeah. What do you think that would be like? I mean, that would be if you're going to do 800 meters worth of running, I would probably rather do a four by two. And I would not be, no. I'd not, I would not, I would not be against a four by two being in the Olympics, by the way. I think an eight by one would be funny for like at the, not at the Olympic level, just like at a college level. I don't know. It's just like, cause that's Wait, so like, you, you do, to- uh, yeah, you do the crazy stagger. That would be so hard to figure out who was that. <laughs> Unless you don't want to, do you, want, do you not want him to have uh, lanes? Do you want to, do you want it to be like a four by four? Yeah, no <laughs> lanes. Yeah, you just, you just shove. No rules too. It's it's like hockey rules. Like, hey, just get your position. You know, like yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. box out, right? No, they do the first five. The first five of the eight are in lanes, and then they pass it to runner number six, and runner number six breaks to the inside, <laughs> and they better get there quick because at the end of the straightaway is their teammate. Yeah, I mean they do. Uh lead off four by fours at Penn Relays as a waterfall start. So why not? How does that, how does that work? I've, I haven't really witnessed that in person before. Does it go over? I mean, it's, I mean, it is like, it is what it is, right? They, the top people get lanes, but then like you just have to put someone who's willing to sprint in the beginning. I mean, it's a bunch of like college, it's a bunch of like low tier college kids and uh, high school kids that have to do it. So, they're kind of like whatever. We're here for participation. So, I mean, I was in a four by four like that. I we as our our coach made us this decided would change, basically put the fastest two hundred meter guy first because it's like all about mm-hmm. just like the guy who's going to sprint the fastest hundred, let him go first. And it was definitely not me because I was like, I always had the slowest opening two hundred. So they're like, like you were tactical be not near, Yeah, I was a tactical four hundred meter runner. What do you and the point of that was just to speed up so people didn't have to set blocks. Yeah, and things. yeah, that's the whole point. So they would make like the fat the first three or four heats have blocks, which was like the fast people, and then everyone else is like this, right? Shuffle up and deal, right? Just yeah, go in there and run. I know they. I have vague memory of them trying this at Mount Sac, and then it didn't go over very well. And I don't know if they abandoned this is many many years ago and i don't know if they decided to to keep it or what but i at that point i had no idea it was being used um at the pen relays so remember when they had to do a waterfall at the trials for the 800 was it the trials was that a usa's or some sort because yeah it was the trials it was olympic trials because they had to there was multiple like uh whatchamacallit oh protests protests and they had more than eight people or nine people in the field for like the next round. So they had to do waterfall start, I think. Or they may have put two in one lane. I'm not sure exactly what they did. Anyway, I think they would need to bring the waterfall start back to the 800. These 800 runners do not need their own lane. Come on. <laughs> start a waterfall. Be a man. One of the most I'd overwritten never... and overhyped things in professional track is there's too many people in this 800 or 1500. Like they'll have 10 in an 800. And it'll be the end of the world. Like they'll sort it yeah. out. They'll figure it out. I mean, you don't want to put do twenty on we, the track. Do you think we need lanes? Do we think we need a one-turn stagger for an eight hundred on an outdoor track? Indoor track, it makes sense because it's so crazy. Yeah. But like, no, I don't. I don't think you could at least do like that double waterfall 
setup. Yeah. You want to give him a little bit of space, but I don't I don't think you I don't think you need it. I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me. What bothers me more is the relentless just every single time there's USA's or Olympic trials, there's a protest and it just gets blown up about how it's ruining this or ruining that. It's just crazy. Here's a question. Is a waterfall Copy start this. unfair? To like for who athletes are certain athletes having to run a further distance than others because of a waterfall start. No, that's why it's waterfalled. Yeah, but it's like fair. it just doesn't seem that like that curve is enough of a, a like you get they they turn the curve on the outside like a foot and you're like you only give me a foot head start I'm out in lane eight and I only get a foot head start right it doesn't make sense yeah. visually. Like, what's the line? Is it is it actually everyone is running the exact same distance wherever, wherever you start on that line? If you hold know, your man. line, yeah. If you hold your line. And then if you cut in, you're you're using distance to cut in. So if you went directly from eight into one and stayed in one the entire way, I don't know. Someone who's an expert in geometry will will write in. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Like, is there a way doesn't to, think to, it looks to right. run a different route? Is there a way to run a different route where you end up not having to run the full – mile like you have to run a little bit shorter no well i know there's a way not to do it which is start in lane one and then go out to lane eight that would be bad <laughs> that would not be that, that would get you more uh than than, than 400 you know, meters ooh, you know what would be kind of cool it would be like in these miles and miles and 15 and 5ks or even 10ks right knowing the true distance that someone runs because a lot of times you know people oh it swings out to lane three or swings oh, wide yeah, yeah, or yeah and they're going in and out, and you want to know, like, how far did you actually run? Like, if there was a GPS yeah. tracker on the top of your head, like, what was the actual Strava segment distance you actually went? Did you actually yeah. run a mile, or did you end up running a mile point one because you kept on getting into traffic? That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that would be cool. And that's one where I think every event has its own little tweak because track and field is so event-by-event event basis that you couldn't do one blanket thing like they do with swimming, but each for that one, obviously the best thing would be the 1500, maybe the 800. Uh, if, a, if we had a crazy tactical 1500, it would be interesting. Cause yeah, you could go afterwards and say, man, Manzano got second, but like, look at the distance he covered compared to compared to first or Jenny Simpson ran exactly 1500.00 meters. She's really good. Yeah. And then they had like, because they do that in football, right? You have like a 20-yard touchdown, but then it's so the wide receiver ran like 40 yards for his 10-yard touchdown because he went out and then back where like a punt return is like going zigzagging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking of baseball when they do the cat, like they, what's it called? Statcast or whatever the, what's the thing called? Where they, they're able to track them uh, in, in the outfield, like the distance they covered uh, and then they get the get the speed. That's always That's always interesting. Yeah, because you'd have like, I'm just thinking of like a big move in an 800 to, to get out of trouble and say they they do go wide and it, and it pays off. It makes it seem that much more impressive. Oh, man. Look at how much distance they covered. Look at the rate that they were running. Who do you think would have the average of the shortest distance run? It's Central, right? Central is always running the shortest distance of everyone in a race. Like It'll be cool to like when it comes down be like, yeah. Central is always a top three in distance traveled. <laughs> For like shortest distance travel, like yeah, well, and yeah. and then again, I'm now I'm thinking of soccer, right, where they track the distance the entire time, and that's something that people are interested in. Yeah, the, the shortest travel, yeah. 
thing would be interesting. Well, what you could do then, see, this is, this is, this is getting really nerdy, but then you could get into like, well, then you could get into like advanced stats with track and you, then you could really quantify who is the best kicker because we'd have ideas in our head of, Oh, this person kicks really well. This person, but we, I mean, you could go back and watch every single race, but you could actually put some math to it and figure out their kick rating. Like, Oh yeah. On average, Centro improves whatever percent percent placing over the last lap than relative to his competitors. You yeah. could create some actually interesting data. The fifteen hundred is the best race for this because it's the most tactical of anything in 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 track and field, and it involves interaction with the competitors. So it would be it would be cool to get more stats on that about because I know the athletes look at that like when we had Nick Willis on and he was talking about how he was able to medal in Rio and like sometimes, you know, he usually love, you know, is it the, it's the age old debate. Do you hug the rail or do you stay outside and stay out of trouble? Like you'd actually get interesting data and numbers on, on that and on each athlete specifically. It'd be cool. It would be That's cool. That's what I'm doing. If I'm a billionaire, if I'm a billionaire, I'm investing in, I'm taking all of the MLB and premier league tech and I'm dumping it in. That's that- what I'm doing. That's why you would never be a billionaire. <laughs> billionaires well, are no. billionaires because they don't spend money on this. <laughs> but then I take my extra money and I start your sub sixty second elimination race. Now oh, you're happy with I, my investment. I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay. I'm happy for that sponsor. And I and I do the rest and I buy the Sixers some better players. Oh, and then we're all good. Why do so. we gotta start and end it like that, man? Like, come on. Whatever. We're gonna Stop win. To- we're gonna win on. We're going to win on Wednesday and everything will be back to normal. So it's going to be all good. It's going to be all good. Well, Lincoln might be back to talk to you about it on Thursday then. But well, I wanted to make sure. Back? Does Lincoln come back tomorrow? He's coming back tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to be on the pod tomorrow, but he will be. Put him uh, on the providing... freaking pod, man. Put him on the pod. <laughs> he needs to do the pod. We've done the pod so many days in a row. He can Are do you the tired pod. doing the pod with me? Okay. Maybe it'll just be a dad's pod tomorrow. Yeah, do a dad's pod. You guys can talk about your kids and like be dads. Yeah, and I get a day off. I need a, I need a day off so I can prepare for my anxiety. Dude, this is the problem with sports fandom. I literally got sick last night. Like I got so stressed that I started developing like a sore throat. I had like a headache. My muscles hurt. Mm. It was like really bad. I was like, it was all triggered from. I mean, some people could say it's COVID, but it's not COVID. I mean, it was all triggered from just this anxiety and stress of watching a game. It's just like yeah. the anger, the oh, this, oh, sports are the worst. Yeah, tell you. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan. That's why I'm gonna spend a billion dollars to just get rid of sports. That's my that's my other plan. <laughs> all right, that's a good idea. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Gordon for co-hosting. You might see him tomorrow. You might not. Thanks to Lon for producing. We will talk to you guys next time. Remember the Continental Tour tomorrow, 10 a.m. live on Flowtrack.